This is the Danny Parkin Show. Let's do this. You've got the Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio, Radio.com Sports, Sirius 206. Thank you so much for ending your weekend with me. We are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Millions of Americans finance the home of their dreams with their help. They can help you, too. Rocket Mortgage, push button, get mortgage. The number around here is 855-212-4CBS. We all watched LSU-Alabama. Brady McCullough was at the game in Tuscaloosa. He covers college sports for the LA Times. He will join us in 35 minutes. Big day in the NFL. You know it's always an NFL postgame show on this show Sunday nights. We'll get into it in full force, of course, after the Sunday night games ends. But as we cross 10 o'clock Eastern, we begin the show as we do each and every week with 10 thoughts at 10 Eastern on the National Football League. And I'm going to cheat on number one. But, you know, it's my show and who's going to stop me? Because this is not simply an NFL thought, but an appreciation for what I would say was the best football weekend of the year, right? This was the best football weekend we've got so far. You had Minnesota beating Penn State. You had LSU-Bama. You had the craziness in the Baylor game. You had a solid day all around of college football leading into the biggest upset of the season so far this year in the NFL. Falcons over Saints, crazy finishes in Arizona, Tampa, Rams, Steelers, Panthers, Packers, Dolphins, Colts, Chiefs, Titans, Browns, Bills, crazy games in the NFL today with great finishes. Also had a good Thursday night game. This is the best week of football this year. The Sunday night game right now is close. And for the sport fan among us, whether you made money, lost money, your team won, your team lost, pure sports fandom, this is the best football weekend we've got this year. I hope it will be topped. I hope there will be better ones to come as the games get bigger. But sheer entertainment value, this is the best weekend so far in the NFL and really in football. Number two, 10 thoughts at 10 Eastern in the National Football League. When Matt Stafford missed today's game against the Bears and Jeff Driscoll started, yeah, Jeff Driscoll, still in the league. Who knew? Now half of the teams in the NFL have started at least one game with a backup quarterback. Half. That is a staggering number. 16 of 32 teams have started at least one game have had a backup quarterback play in at least one game. That's crazy. And I find it to be interesting because, in theory, it's the safest time ever to play quarterback in the NFL. And it is. But it begs the question, if half of the teams in the NFL have had their backup quarterback at least play some, and it's as safe as it's ever been because of the rules... Not should we make the game more dangerous. I don't think that's a reasonable conclusion. But 
are the rule changes having a desired effect on safety to the point where it's worth offsetting some of the competitiveness and the, for lack of a better term, footballness of this sport that we love? I don't have a definitive answer to this one. I just have a question. But if we're halfway through the season and half of the teams have already had to play a backup quarterback and it's safer than it's ever been to play quarterback, maybe we should just come to some sort of acceptance that, you know what, it's not that safe to play this game and we don't need to change all of the rules in an interest of keeping guys healthy because that's an unattainable goal. Sure, you want to protect the head, helmet to helmet, the stuff that's life-threatening down the line. Again, I'm not saying make the game more dangerous, but what I am saying is let's not pretend like this game can be safe. Half of the teams have already turned to a backup quarterback, which makes the Lamar Jackson conversation all the more relevant. And Lamar Jackson is the third item that I'd like to discuss, 10 thoughts at 10 Eastern in the National Football League. He is Superman. Sorry, Cam Newton. You don't get that title anymore. He's the second quarterback in NFL history to have two perfect passer rating games in the same season. Ben Roethlisberger, the only other player to do it. He had the insane touchdown run. But I hear a lot of the conversation around Lamar Jackson being, how sustainable is this? He runs too much. He's going to get hurt. He's a comet. It's going to be brilliant as it flies past, but it's not going to be sustainable beauty. 16 quarterbacks have already, backup quarterbacks have already gotten in. 16 different teams. Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, they're not one of them. Lamar Jackson is running. Lamar Jackson is staying healthy. Lamar Jackson in his early 20s. Why can't he do this for another six, seven, eight years? And if he's already had two games of the perfect passer rating and his passing is getting better, once his athleticism does start to wane, or he does get injured at some point, which everybody's getting injured. There's no reason that his passing can't continue to rise to a level where he can be a sustainably great quarterback. Lamar Jackson's ceiling is best player in football. And yeah, I know about Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson and all of the great talents that are in this league right now. Lamar Jackson deserves to have his name mentioned among them. He's incredible. 855-212-4227 for your top takeaways of the day in the National Football League. Yo, what the hell happened to the Rams as we move on to number four? Did Sean McVay get figured out? I don't understand. I know the division is tough, but this is like Jared Goff regression, Sean McVay getting figured out. The running game not being as good since Todd Gurley is clearly not 100%. But Jared Goff in his last 16 games, I saw this from Football Chase on Twitter. 17 touchdowns, 16 picks, 16 fumbles, 28 sacks, and a passer rating of just over 79. I'm going to say that again so it sinks in. Last 16 games, 17 touchdowns, 16 interceptions, 16 fumbles, 28 sacks, and a passer rating of 79 and change. You know, the Rams have regressed. Jared Goff has regressed. 
Sean McVay, you got a solution? Because you gave Jared Goff $140 million as an organization. This is the squad, and it's not looking great. An organization that is trending up, the Pittsburgh Steelers are number five on my list of 10 things at 10 Eastern in the National Football League. They were one and four. They've won four straight. Now they're five and four. They are right in the thick of the AFC playoff picture. Troy Palomalu, who? Minka Fitzpatrick, come on down. He is marvelous. They traded a first-round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick when Ben Roethlisberger got hurt. They got crushed for it. I said on this show at the time, they've got organizational character. If you were going to say, I trust an organization to get a transaction right, Steelers would be in the top five. Patriots would be number one, but they were up there. And I said, let's see. Maybe they know what they have in Mason Rudolph or the team or the schedule or the division or Minka Fitzpatrick. And wherever their first round pick would have been, they would not have been able to get as good of a player as Fitzpatrick. And they look like they're right. Their defense is awesome. And their schedule is not. Pittsburgh has a very, very winnable stretch coming up. They're in second place in the AFC North. I do think Baltimore is going to win that division. Baltimore already has uh, the win in Pittsburgh. But the Steelers have won four straight Chargers, Dolphins, Colts, and Rams. Their next four, Browns, Bengals, Browns, Cardinals. Then it's the Bills. Then it's the Jets. Then they end the season in Baltimore. They could easily be favored in six of their last seven. Pittsburgh is right in the thick of the AFC wildcard picture, which we'll talk about here in a couple of minutes. 855-212-4227. It's the Danny Parkin Show. We're doing 10 thoughts at 10 Eastern on this week in the National Football League. Number six, the F in Falcons stands for F the Falcons. Man, this team eliminated me from Survivor Pool today. I bet they're over win total on the season. I bet them to win the NFC Championship before the year. I thought Dan Quinn was going to be fired a month ago. And then they go out and pull off the biggest upset in the NFL this year, and their defense holds the Saints to less than 10 points. Coming off a bye, what the hell's going on out here? I feel like Vince Lombardi. I still think Dan Quinn's going to get fired. I still think Dan Quinn deserves to get fired. But, man, Falcons are costing me money. That's the type of win that would infuriate me if I'm a Falcon fan. And I've been talking to you guys basically every week on this show for the last eight weeks because I can't figure you guys out. Who the hell saw that game coming today? I don't understand how that happened. Like, terrible loss for the Saints. Teams have bad games and then can bounce back. We saw it with the uh, Packers last week against the Chargers. That happens. I'm not panicking if I'm a Saints fan. I'm just confused if I'm a Falcon fan. Where was that offensive balance? Where was that get off the field on third down defensive? Where, where's that been all year? Man, F the Falcons. Number seven. It was kind of fun today to watch a completely irrelevant but weirdly entertaining glimpse of the future New York football game. Like Giants and Jets, neither team relevant this year. Neither team seems like they're going to be too relevant next year if we're talking about playoff standings. Both fan bases hate their coach. Adam Gase, Jets fans probably hate Adam Gase a little bit more than Giants fans hate Pat Shermer. But if I'm a Jet fan, I still believe in Sam Darnold. And if I'm a Giant fan, I still believe in Daniel Jones. And my question is, 
or my thought would be as someone who's not a New Yorker and not a fan of either team, but I did go to school in upstate New York and I know a lot of New Yorkers. So there's going to be this rivalry on who the better quarterback is, Daniel Jones or Sam Darnold. The better quarterback is going to be the team that gets the better coach because neither of these guys are the coach who are going to groom that quarterback for the future. So whichever organization realizes sooner that this isn't the guy and they go out and get the guy and they get the guy at a young age so that they can try to still maximize the rookie deal, that's going to be the quarterback that's going to have the better career. I have no idea which one it'll be. I think both quarterbacks have some talent. But neither one of them has their coach of the future. And both organizations hired the offensive coach to groom with the young quarterback. And I don't think either of them have hit. I don't know which one's going to fire him first. But whoever does, I think, is going to have the leg up for being the better quarterback between Darnold and Daniel Jones. My eighth item today as we do 10 thoughts at 10 Eastern in the National Football League is I still think if you took every offense in the league and every defense in the league and you ranked them, Right, And you said, I want the Patriots defense. I want the Bears defense. I want the Chiefs offense. I want the Saints offense. And you just ran it through uh, the Niners offense, the Niners defense. And you said, what is the best unit in the NFL at the end of the year? I still think the answer to that is the Kansas City Chiefs offense. I can't quit them. Damn that defense, though. The defense has been allowing 24 points per game which is bad, but not horrific. Their four losses this year are by seven, seven, six, and three points. Great job by Ryan Tannehill and the Titans. I'm not taking anything away from it, but the Chiefs blew that game. They blew that game with their defense. They blew that game with their special teams. Tyree Kill and Pat Mahomes, who were marvelous today together, have only played 55 snaps together this year because of their injuries being spread out across each other. Mahomes, Tyreek, and Kelsey have barely been on the field as a threesome this year. Mahomes has been hurt. Lawrence DuVernay-Tardif, his left guard, has been hurt. Eric Fisher, the former number one overall pick, his left tackle has been hurt. Like, If you get the left guard, the left tackle, Sammy Watkins, Tyreek Hill, Pat Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and you get them on the field and you have Mitchell Schwartz stay healthy, the all-pro caliber right tackle, whether it's Damian Williams, LaShawn McCoy, whomever, I think the Chiefs offense still gives them a chance to win the Super Bowl, even though they're 6-4. and four. No one will want to play the Chiefs in the AFC playoffs if they're actually healthy come playoff time. Speaking of the AFC playoffs, that's my ninth item today. I have no idea who the AFC wildcard teams are going to be. Do you? Honestly, 855-212-4227. Here's what we know in the AFC. We know the Pats are in, and we know the Pats are going to get the one seed. We know the Ravens are in, and we know that Pats-Ravens has the chance to be a great rematch. We know the Chiefs are in, and we know the Texans are going to get in. I know the Chiefs and the Raiders have the same amount of losses, and I know the Texans don't have an overwhelming lead in the AFC South. But Pat Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, the they're not going to blow those leads. Those are the two best teams in those two divisions. Bills, Raiders, Titans, Steelers, Colts, those five teams for two spots in the AFC. Bills have the best record. Steelers, the hottest team. Raiders with good wins. Steelers with a good defense. Colts, terrible injury luck. 
but still persevering. Titans somehow getting better with Ryan Tannehill. I have no idea how to handicap Bills, Raiders, Titans, Steelers, Colts. Steelers' schedule is really favorable. Colts are really banged up. So I guess slight edge Steelers, slight downgrade Colts. Bills have the best record, so slight edge there. Like, if I had to guess today, Steelers and Bills. But Raiders, Colts wouldn't shock me either. Like, that is wide open for the fifth and sixth seed in the AFC. Conversely, the NFC... Yo, I think the NFC playoffs kind of locked up. Niners, Saints, Packers, Vikings, Seahawks are going to make it. NFC East toss up. Cowboys are losing right now 20 to 14 to the Vikings. Maybe they win this game. Maybe they don't. Eagles schedule is easier down the stretch. So I think the Eagles are going to win the NFC East, but maybe it'll be the Cowboys. But right. Those are the five teams that we know are in Niners in Saints in Packers in Vikings in Seahawks in. Vikings and Seahawks probably have the wild cards locked up. So AFC playoffs wide open seating in both conferences wide open NFC wild card, man. I think that's a wrap 855-212-4227. Your top takeaways from this day in the national football league, Brady McCullough on LSU Bama and big picture college sports in 20 minutes coming up next. I got an idea for the college football playoff committee that would really help when it comes to debating between one loss teams and tiebreakers for the playoff. No one seems to like it, but I'll share it with you anyway, coming up. It's the Danny Parkin show, CBS sports radio. Now back to the Danny Parkin show. It's the Danny Parkin show, CBS sports radio, 855-212-4227. The toll free line. 855-212-4227, 855-212-4227, brought to you by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Cowboys on top of the Vikings, 21-20. Absolutely ridiculous touchdown catch by Amari Cooper. We're going to talk to Brady McCullough in about 15 minutes. He covers college sports for the LA Times. He was in Tuscaloosa for Bama and LSU. And... I'm going to come out on the front end and say, I know this isn't how it works. And I understand why some people don't like it. But in my opinion, the college football playoff rankings should be one LSU two Ohio state three Clemson four Alabama. Many people are going to say that Bama is done. Because Bama doesn't have a good win. And Bama's best win now can be Auburn in the Iron Bowl. And Auburn has Georgia this week. So if Bama wants to get in, Bama needs Auburn to win. So that Auburn is more impressive if Bama beats them at the end. And here's what I'll say. When it comes to one-loss tiebreakers, I think it makes sense for Vegas to be the determining factor. And I know that you got to play the games and you want to have the games mean something. But it strikes me as a little ridiculous and a little silly that we all agree if Bama played Oregon on a neutral field, Bama would be favored but Oregon would get to go 
in a scenario where they're a one-loss team out of the Pac-12 over Bama. Same thing with Oklahoma. Same thing with Penn State. Same thing with Minnesota if they catch a loss. Same thing with Georgia. Like, I get it if you're an undefeated conference champion from a Power 5 conference, why you should go. But once we start getting into teams with imperfect resumes, I would be fine if common sense prevailed and we just said, who's the best team? Now, that's not to say that if Bama lost, let's say, to Auburn at the end of the year and then they had two losses, they still would probably be favored over Oregon on a neutral field or Penn State on a neutral field. But I wouldn't say go to Vegas in that standpoint because they would have two losses. But in my opinion, why LSU 1, Ohio State 2, Clemson 3, Bama 4 makes the for the best TV, for the best playoff product is one, who's complaining about an LSU Bama rematch? other than maybe LSU. And you say, why are you punishing the number one team in the country? Man, I'm not. Ohio State and Clemson will deserve to be ranked ahead of them. And LSU just said, hey, we'll play Bama anywhere, anytime, and we can beat them. That was what Ed Ogeron was saying at the end of the game. And it feels like, to me, the SEC deserves a team in the national championship game. It's clearly the best conference. And I know these, there's Big Ten truthers out there that think the Big Ten is close. Just because you got a bunch of ranked teams, I'm talking about teams at the top. I don't care about teams ranked 10 through 25 who are irrelevant nationally. I'm talking about teams that have a legitimate shot to win a national title. Georgia, when things are going right, has a legitimate shot to win a title. Same thing with LSU. Same thing clearly with Bama. That's the SEC's strength. The dominant national title contending teams at the top. The Big Ten has one of those teams, Ohio State. The ACC has one of those teams, Clemson. So just because the Big Ten has Penn State and Minnesota and Michigan and Wisconsin and like teams that are ranked, cool. So does the SEC. That means nothing. Teams that can win a national championship, the SEC is king and it's not close. So let Clemson and Ohio State duke it out from these one-team conferences to see who gets a shot to take down the SEC this year. That, to me, makes the most sense from a watchability television product. If you want to quibble and say Ohio State is dominated teams better than LSU, I think LSU clearly has the best resume. I think LSU clearly should be number one. Going into Tuscaloosa and winning with their other SEC wins I think LSU should be number one. Ohio State's blowing people out. They should be number two. Clemson's blowing people out, but it's a terrible schedule. They should be number three. I also think it's silly to pretend like last year's Clemson team doesn't exist and they're not on a 23-game winning streak, the longest one in the country. When you bring back four offensive linemen, your quarterback, your running back, and three receivers, and your defense is as statistically good as last year's defense that put five players into the NFL – Why would I not think that Clemson with a month to prepare for a playoff game isn't the best team in the country? Because I do think that. So to me, those are the four teams. I would still want to see Bama in the playoff, assuming that they run the table and only have one loss. Brady McCullough was in Tuscaloosa 
We'll see how he would handicap the one-loss teams, what he thinks of the playoff, the NFL players on the field. It was the game of the year. I want to talk about it with Brady McCullough, who covers college sports for the LA Times. That's coming up. Now back to the Danny Parkin Show. And evidently, it's the night at the Roxbury at the Danny Parkin Show. I like it. I'll get you going. CBS Sports Radio, the radio.com app. Sirius 206. My name is Danny Parkins, 855-212-4227. Normally, it's all NFL all the time on the Sunday night show, but it was the best football weekend of the year, largely because of Saturday and the great games in college football, highlighted, of course, by the game of the year, LSU and Alabama in Tuscaloosa which is where Brady McCullough was. He covers college sports in a big-picture way for the L.A. Times, so they sent him to the big game. Brady, good to talk to you, man. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey, great to talk to you again, Danny. It's been a while since Kansas City. Yeah, yeah, it has, man. I appreciate uh, I appreciate the time. So I know how awesome it was to watch that game in person. It would have taken a lot to get me off my couch. How awesome was it to be there? (laughs) Yeah, I had uh, I'd never covered a game in Tuscaloosa before, um, and it's definitely uh, everything you would think it would be. Um, you know, it's fourth quarter, and the you know they're blaring Dixieland delight and doing this LED light show, and Bama's coming back, and the the people in that stadium they they and rightfully so they they just don't believe that they could possibly lose, and even the way the game started and, and, you know, it was just until the last possible minute when Clyde Edwards Hilaire bounded through there for, you know, 12 yards and a first down to officially put the thing to rest. Uh, there was no one in that stadium who didn't think somehow Alabama was going to come back and win and probably the LSU people included. And I got to be honest, I felt that way watching, like, you know, they're, they're down 20 at halftime, but if Tua doesn't, drop the ball inexplicably on the first drive of the game. They're up seven, nothing. They're they're probably in it the whole way. I came out of that game very impressed by LSU, but thinking if they played 10 games on a neutral field, it's probably five, five, maybe six, four towards LSU. I I thought the two teams were very close. What about you? Yeah. Yeah. You, you definitely can't discount the mistakes that, that Alabama made in the first half that were so uncharacteristic. Um, you know, we, we can't deny the fact that, uh, you know, after the big ovation for Trump, the next play is, uh, is to us just ridiculous fumble. Um, and, and then things go awry from there. Yeah. You know, it's hard to know on a neutral field. I, I think that the teams are, are pretty even but there was something about LSU's mentality. And honestly, there has been all year. Um, they just really, really, they, they've totally changed their mentality as a program. They, you know, they're no longer coach not to lose. Ed Orgeron has let it, let go with and entrusted Joe Burrow and, and Joe Brady, the passing game coordinator. And, and they don't ever change their mentality offensively, no matter what the game flow is middle of the first quarter, is the same as the middle of the fourth quarter. There's no, oh, got to watch the clock, got to slow things down, we got to be conservative, don't want to make a mistake. No, LSU just plays their game the entire way, and it's rare to find a team that is allowed to play that way. And Coach O just believes in these guys, and, and you see that in the way they play. I just think they they are a better team than Alabama right now. But, but yeah, I mean, I think that, and this will probably lead into the next discussion, but 
But, yeah, it's hard to ignore Alabama, and, and you know it's hard to say they're not one of the top four teams in the country. Right, and it does lead into the next discussion as we're talking to Brady McCullough, who covers college sports from a big-picture perspective for the Los Angeles Times. I'm not saying that Vegas should be the end-all, be-all for determining the college football playoff. The games have to matter on the field, and if Bama lost three games, they still would probably be favored over Oregon, for example, or Penn State on a neutral field. So I get that Vegas can't be everything, but I do think Mm -hmm. common sense, and it should be something, and I'd be fine if it was a tiebreaker, say, for the one-loss teams. How do you think we should be differentiating when we get beyond LSU, Clemson, and Ohio State? How should we be differentiating these one-loss teams when it comes for the playoff committee time? Well, that that is the big question, and I I think – Maybe it's just me looking at this as a lifetime fan of college football. Maybe I'm not the right guy to ask, but I want to see something different. And so that's probably coloring my look here. And the committee can't look at it that way. They have to look at, okay, they have to have a, you know, defined thing. You know, it looked like in the first week by putting Ohio State over LSU, they were saying that the eye test and and dominance is, is a little more important than, you know, your resume. LSU had the better wins than Ohio State, yet they had Ohio State one. So if you if you read off of that, then then you're going to say, well, Alabama looks like a more dominant football team uh, than Georgia uh, or uh, Penn State or Oregon or Utah or Oklahoma. Uh, so so it kind of I, I would almost the committee. It seems like every year their, their metrics kind of change and what they prioritize changes. Uh, but I just who who in the re- in the country wouldn't want to see one of these other teams get in the playoff? Uh, oh, even even though we all know Alabama is a very very good team. I mean they've had they had their shot. They lost at home. Yes, they lost to a great team. But they you only get so many shots to prove what you prove your worth. And they they got to play at Auburn. That's another you know if they go into into uh, into Auburn and and blow them out. Well then, that's gonna that's gonna weigh, you know, that's gonna have weight. But but they're not gonna be a conference champion. And the biggest game of the year was on their home field. And you can use Tua's injury as an excuse. And it's sure, I, I don't think he was a hundred percent. But at the end of the day, don't we want to see some new new blood in the college football playoffs? I, I, I as a fan, I think you do. Yeah, I do if they deserve it. Is I, honestly like I don't mind watching the best teams. Like I think the reason why that game was awesome yesterday is because those are two of the three or four best teams in the country. And if it was the if say LSU is the best team and they played the sixth or seventh best team in the country, I don't think it would have been as good of a game. So it doesn't bother me if I feel like I'm seeing the teams that are the most talented. Yeah, well, you know the the interesting thing here, of course, is this totally mirrors 2011. Uh, the last time LSU beat uh, Alabama in Tuscaloosa or at all, uh, they then have to play them again for the national championship. Uh, Alabama gets in uh, to that to that game in the two spot, and they and they redo it, and they lose twenty one nothing. And I'm in Baton Rouge. I'm talking to an old friend of mine uh, who's an LSU grad, and and yeah, I mean that's they all are just resigned to having to to, to slay the, the 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 dragon again. Uh, in the playoff, and that's just the way things go. You're going to have Gary Danielson uh, stumping for the next month on CBS broadcasts, and 
and and yeah, it's hard to argue. You know, you know, or you don't know, but but just you you get a feeling based on so far that that Alabama is a better football team than any of these other one loss teams. Uh, you know, the, 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 for the people who don't want Alabama in the playoff, the best thing that could happen for you is that uh, Georgia beats LSU and LSU bumps Bama out because they, you know, because they beat Bama. Brady McCullough covers college sports for the LA Times. He was at LSU Bama in Tuscaloosa yesterday. Which NCAA issue is dumber, the one with Memphis basketball or the one with Chase Young and Ohio State football? Yeah, I think that the the Ohio State football one uh, is is a little dumber. Um, off the top of my head, you know, I, I think that uh, if 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 Penny Hardaway was was involved in arranging, you know, uh, intrastate uh, moves or moves across the state, um, you know, to to get James Wiseman to play, you know, on one of his his teams while a prep player. And then he happens to then be the Memphis coach, and uh, you know Wiseman goes to Memphis. I mean that that seems like there's there's a lot going on there. That's very complex. Uh, you know, one of the biggest issues the NCAA is facing, obviously, is the issues of, of you know should players be compensated? Uh, what should they get for their name, image, and likeness, and, and all of that? And you look at something as trifling. If if this is indeed what the Chase Young thing is about. Uh, as a guy, you know, theoretically getting some help uh, so his family can go to the Rose Bowl. Um, you know, this is something that uh, the NCAA actually allows if you're in the Final Four or you're in the college football playoff, your family is allowed to get help to get to those games. This is the Rose Bowl. This is the granddaddy of them all. Ohio State's going out there. He wants, you know, some people in his, his circle, uh, you know, to be able to go out there and enjoy that. And, you know, these things are so – but that, that to me seems just very like this is the whole point is someone of Chase Young's caliber should be able to do things to capitalize off of their fame uh, while they are in college uh, making money for these universities. And that, that one seems very just this is kind of crazy. Yeah, I agree with you completely. A couple of quick hitters here before we let you go. Who's the next football coach at USC? Oh boy, <laughs> you hit me! You hit me right, right in the the one that that I can't stop thinking about. Um, yeah, I I think that there's a lot of talk around town about the new president of USC. Uh, you know, can she allow a, a you know a place? She's trying to clean up that university. She's trying to bring integrity back. That's a big thing. So you're in all in that way. Can you can Urban Meyer be you know the head football coach given the the checkered you know things uh, morally, integrity wise. I just I, I think they need they, Urban Meyer is going to have enough of a push from the boosters and and people at that university. They're going to convince the president that that this is what needs to be done. They they've 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 suffered enough in the last decade uh, for for being so good in the early 2000s. And I think that I, if I had to say, I just think USC is going to pull the trigger and it's going to be Urban. What about Florida State? Florida State is a is a tough one. Um, you know, I'm interested in uh, Mike Norvell at Memphis. This is a, it's a little off the beaten path, but he's done a really good job there. 
um, plays a, a style that would fit with what they've already been trying to install down there offensively. Um, you know, I know Mike Leach probably wants to get involved. I'm, I'm not sure if, if that's actually going to happen. Um, and it, if things go south the rest of the season at Auburn, you know, is Gus Malzahn uh, a move that, that Florida State can make? And I think a really good move they can make if, if they can make that happen. Brady McCullough covers college sports for the LA Times. Who's going to win the national championship, college football? Oh, I hate to say it, but Ohio State. You hate to say it. Yeah, I hate to say it. I can't help it. I'm a Michigan grad. But, okay, um, yeah. That's a good reason. But I think, uh, <laughs> but I think, I think they, they, they look like, they look like they've, they've got it all. Um, I think LSU is right up there with them. And shoot, if Bama gets in the playoffs, you know, all bets are off. And hey, Clemson, what do they do? They won the national championship last year. They haven't lost this year, so it could be. I think it's going to be a great playoff. I think this is this is an exciting, really fun college football season. I think it's only going to get better. I think this is going to be one of the better playoffs we've had. Brady McCullough from the LA Times, very much appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Talking a little college sports with me. Coming up, more of your NFL calls and some of my favorite audio I've ever got on a radio show. You'll hear it next. CBS Sports Radio.